0: This is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm your host, Mac Pritchard. I'm also the founder of MaxList. List. It's a job board in the Pacific Northwest that helps you find a fulfilling career. One of the best ways to get good at job hunting is is to talk to people who do it well. That's why, once a month, I interview a MaxList reader who found a job they love. Our guest today is Shelby Danzer. She's the Associate Director of Development for the University of Oregon. She joins us from Portland, Oregon. Shelby Danzer believes in the power of focus. In a story you can find on the MaxList website, Shelby recommends keeping a short list of employers where you want to work and paying attention to job postings at these places. Doing this helped Shelby find the job she has today. Shelby, why do you love your job?
1: I love my job because I think it sits at a crossroads of uh, sales-type environments and mission-driven work. I really enjoy the grind of reaching out, setting meetings, keeping myself organized, but I love that Person oriented connection that I get when I'm talking to folks who want to support the University of Oregon philanthropically or through their own volunteer work. I think that it's really fulfilling to get to do that mission driven work that serves the greater good, but at the same time, get to be in a fast paced environment where I'm working with other folks who have that same uh, drive and Desire to, you know, set up as many meetings as we can, and you know, close as many uh, uh, philanthropic gifts as we can, things like that.
0: Well, let's talk about your job search. Uh, one of your strategies was to pay attention to job postings at a target list of employers. Why did you focus on just targeted employers, Shelby?
1: Well, I have. Been through several job searches in my career so far. Sometimes they are searches where I'm looking to make a change relatively quickly. So I'm applying to lots of jobs at once. But other times I have stumbled across a job at a place that I've always wanted to work. And even though I wasn't planning to make a change at the time, I found myself throwing my name in the hat so that I wouldn't miss that opportunity. And the latter example has actually happened to me more than once. And so through those experiences, what I have found is that I don't want to miss an opportunity because it might not feel like the exact perfect time. And that has motivated me to just keep an eye on the organizations that I consider my dream places to work. That way, you know, when something comes along, I can throw my name in the hat and remind myself that taking an interview doesn't mean You know, making a big change and accepting that job. Uh, Sometimes it's a good opportunity to just get to know the folks who work at that organization now in anticipation of applying again down the road. And I think that if you're always keeping an eye towards your job search and your career trajectory by checking in a few times a year on those top five, top 10 places to work, then you will always have an opportunity to take that next step, even if it wasn't something you were expecting at the time.
0: Some job seekers struggle with this, and it's understandable coming up with a list of your top five or 10 dream employers. How did you do that, Shelby? How did you create your your dream list?
1: That's a good question. I think that I am pretty involved in my uh, community. I'm. I consider myself to be fairly uh, politically active, to, you know, spend time volunteering um, and uh, attend various, you know, networking events um, throughout the year, which has exposed me to a lot of different places that you could potentially work. I think that there are a lot of uh, companies and organizations out there that you don't even know necessarily exist. You know, no five-year-old kid ever says to themselves, oh, when I grow up, I want to work for a tech company that specifically creates apps to help people, you know, track their to do lists, really specific things like that. You oftentimes don't think about. And so getting involved in your community and just exposing yourself to. The different companies and organizations that exist, you know, in your town or your city, I think is a really great starting point and how I started that process for myself. I can think of a couple different times where I was either volunteering or at a networking event, chatting with somebody and casually asking them, what do you do for work? And uh, listening to them talk about the places where they've, you know, had jobs before and realizing that, It sounded really cool, and I also had no idea that that company existed before talking to someone who worked there. And it was through that process, just through talking with other people, that I put that little list together for myself. Uh, So, you know, when you're talking with someone and they mention, oh, I work for so-and-so, write it down, uh, make a note in your phone, Google it later, and cruise through their job board just to see the types of things that they have on offer and the type of opportunities you might be able to pursue.
0: So you had a dream list of employers that you were excited to work for. You were checking their websites for job postings. What other steps did you take uh, to connect with either these organizations or the people who worked there or learn more about what they were doing in the field?
1: Well, I think that LinkedIn is always a great tool and with COVID, it gets trickier to get out to events, of course. But you know, pre-pandemic, at least, I was making an effort to, you know, attend uh, networking events, like I've said, fundraising events as well. Whether you see yourself as a you know big donor at somebody's annual auction or not, um, particularly if you're interested in nonprofit. Work. I think that the, you know, annual fundraising events that various organizations have is a great way to just go engage with that community in a very uh, passive way where you don't have to dive in as a 24-7 volunteer or anything like that. Um, so I think that, you know, trying to make yourself seen at events and just introducing yourself to people as well as uh, reaching out on LinkedIn and just asking folks if they'd be interested in a phone call to chat about what it is that they do in their job. I think similar to how people don't know what kind of companies always exist. I also have found that they don't always know the jobs that exist. And so maybe your dream job is out there, but it's got a really funky title and you would never think to Google, you know, a job that uh, has that title. So reaching out on LinkedIn, you know, if you've got folks' emails, uh, just reaching out to them directly and asking for essentially an informational interview to chat about what it is they do. Uh, I've actually found that to be a pretty successful tactic as well. And it can be a little intimidating uh, to ask someone to take time out of their day to chat with you, but I have found that people are really warm to the idea and you know, if they don't have time, they'll say no. But uh, nine times out of 10, I find that people are willing to get together in person for a cup of coffee or jump on a 10 minute phone call. And so those are some of the tactics that I use to get to know the people that already work at the places that I think I might want to work at one day, too.
0: In your article for us, you shared that you had applied uh, for jobs at the University of Oregon twice before. And been rejected. What made you try again uh, after being rejected twice in the past?
1: Well, I think that I grew my skills and experience a lot uh, over the time between my first application to when I finally got a job with them. And while the initial rejections had been, of course, frustrating and disappointing, I recognized that I had changed a lot, I think about three years passed between my first application to when I um, officially got a job. And I had just gained so much experience in that time. And I think that my resume looked radically different from the first go to the last one. And I used that uh, sense of growth and accomplishment to overcome, you know, the fear around, throwing my name in the hat, even though it hadn't worked out uh, the few times before. I would also say that my experiences applying and interviewing with the University of Oregon previously had always been positive experiences, Uh, you know, even though I had not gotten those jobs at the time. The folks that I interacted with were lovely and at no point did I feel like those past experiences burned any bridges or left a bad taste in my mouth. And so it was easy to try again because I'd had really wonderful experiences with those folks already. And I also felt that there was something to be said for some name recognition and Even though I hadn't gotten jobs in the past, knowing that I'd met some of those folks before, that I was familiar with people in the organization just through an interview process was actually a source of comfort because I think that familiarity gave me a little more confidence going in versus applying to a job where you don't know anyone or anything about how they operate.
0: It took three months from the day you applied for the job at the University of Oregon until you accepted an offer. How did you manage your expectations, Shelby, during that period, and and stay in touch with the hiring manager?
1: It was tough, honestly. It was right around the holiday season, which made things even more hectic, and I think contributed to what to me felt like a lengthier process. You know, it's always tricky to remember that if the hiring manager is on vacation, uh, you're not going to get a call back for an interview until they're back in the office. But I think that uh, three months. I have found is not an atypical amount of time for a job process, but when you're the person applying, it can feel like a really long time, especially if you really, really want a new job. So managing expectations in regards to what that timeline looks like realistically from, you know, when can you expect from application to first day, what does that look like? It is typically a months-long process. And so knowing that going in is helpful, especially if you find yourself in a position where you're pretty eager to get out of the job that you have right now and are ready for something new immediately. It is particularly difficult in those instances to manage that timeline expectation. But knowing what you're getting yourself into before you start that process, I think is really important. And then Balancing that need to, you know, ask for an update with a respectful boundary around, you know, understanding that the hiring manager has other things on their plate, I always try and remind myself that hiring somebody is not a full-time job for anyone and so the person that you are talking to well for you it seems like a huge deal for them it's one thing on a long list of to-do items that they've got while managing the rest of their responsibilities in their role and so being respectful of that and understanding of that uh, but with that in mind you know if you go, a week, two weeks without hearing anything. I think, you know, sending along just a check-in is always uh, a reasonable thing to do. I also think that uh, the art of the thank you letter is getting a little bit lost and I could not recommend anything more highly than writing a note, even just over email, uh, after your interview as another touch point with the person that you're chatting with. I found that if you send that thank you email, you know, the day after an interview, it also gives you something to follow up on, uh, when you do decide to reach out and ask for an update. So rather than, you know, sending a cold email saying, hey, what's up? I haven't heard anything. If you've sent that thank you email immediately after your interview, you can respond on that same thread and say, just following up, reiterating that I had a great time chatting with you. Thank you so much. Is there an update? Uh, so those are some of the tactics that I've used to you know, stay in touch with folks over a months long uh, hiring
0: process. Well, finally, Shelby, what's your number one job hunting tip?
1: My number one job hunting tip is to keep a list of your top organizations that you'd like to work for and check their job boards a few times a year. I think that whether you feel like you're ready for a new job or not, it's always good to know what's out there and just keep your finger on the pulse and stay in a semi-active job search whether you think you're going to make a change in the next few years or not. So keeping that short list of dream organizations is my number one tip without a doubt.
0: Well, thank you for sharing your story, Shelby. To learn more about Shelby Danzer's job search, visit maxlist.org slash stories. And check out the MaxList website for dozens of other success stories. On the second Friday of every month, we add a new interview with a MaxList reader who has found a dream job. Go to maxlist.org slash stories. In the meantime, thank you for listening to today's bonus episode of Find Your Dream Job. This show is produced by MaxList. Susan Thornton-Hoff schedules our guests and writes our newsletter. Lisa Kislin-Berry Anderson manages our social media. Our sound engineer is Matt Villarillo. Ryan Morrison at Podfly Productions edits the show. Don Mole creates our transcripts. And our music is by Freddie Trujillo. This is Mac Pritchard. See you next week.